Well, this is the last Sunday to our series of Church Rewired. How many of you have found this uh, a challenging, a good challenging season? Anybody? Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm telling you, when you're talking about these things every week, when you're the one actually delivering it, man, does the Lord mess with you, right? Because essentially, you're giving him permission to because you're asking him, Lord, what do you want to say? And we felt as a, as, a, as a team that he wanted to talk about some things that we say in this world as Christians that are meant to help, that oftentimes can do more damage than good. The Lord wanted us to revisit and look in scripture and what is his heart, who he is, say about these things. So that in a world where there's bombings, where there's terrible things happening, where there is mayhem all over the place, things that we just, that crush us, How do we become properly equipped through the Holy Spirit to bring his light into those places? So it's not just cliches to try and fix something because we don't want to engage it, but really be engaged in what's going on in such a way that Jesus has the last word. So today we're going to use this phrase that has driven me bonkers my whole life. I grew up in a Christian home. And any time I was upset, I would hear this in in my circles, well, extend some grace. Who's heard that phrase? Just show a little grace. Okay, I had some friends that would actually say, extend some grace, dude. That's how they would say it to me. I'm like, go extend some grace, dude. Right? Well, I'm a pretty forward person. Uh, I do not hide my feelings or my thoughts. I try to say them in a more gracious way so that people can receive them. But when I was in college, I did not have that filter. I was very black and white. So if you did something stupid, how do you think I would communicate that to you? That was stupid. Now, I found that that method was not received very well. And I would hear the phrase, man, you need to be a little more gracious. What What do you mean I need This guy did something stupid. If I don't let him know that he's stupid, (laughs) then how's he gonna how's he gonna improve? How's he gonna prevent himself from doing something stupid again if no one tells him? Right? But there are ways that we can communicate those kind of things without saying, hey, you're stupid. Right? That's just discernment. So when we talk about this phrase, understand that we're gonna look today at what grace is, and then we're gonna look at how that is applied, and we have to understand that this is a lifelong thing, and we need the essentials that we talk about here at Bridget. When we talk about community, we talk about mission, we talk about prayer and discipleship. Those are are non-negotiables in the kingdom of God, and we need to be engaging all of them to understand grace. To really, truly understand grace, we have to engage Jesus in all of those areas. We have to be discerning. We have to be wise. We have to be courageous. We have to be bold. We have to be compassionate. We have to be merciful. We have to be all of those things to live a life of grace. Does that sound easy? (laughs) Right? It's exhausting. Well, we're going to work from a a specific passage today in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. Many of us have heard this passage. So if you have your Bibles, please take them out. And I'm going to read through it. And then we'll uh, uh, break it down in a few minutes. 
But one of the things, before we get into the passage, one of the things that I think we get confused about as Christians is that we use grace to also mean mercy. Our approach to grace oftentimes can be, uh, is meant to be an approach to mercy. So if someone, let's just say in an employee environment, an employee is not doing a great job and you give them chance after chance, Sometimes you can say, well, I need to continue to extend them some grace. Well, what you're doing there is trying to find a holy way to avoid conflict. When sometimes you just need to be merciful and cut them loose or have the hard conversation. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? You're going to keep abusing the idea of grace. And so what we're going to see here in Ephesians is a clear understanding of what Paul calls grace. We see it throughout Romans. Paul is a grace guy, right? We hear that in most of his letters. He's like, grace and peace to you. So grace is a huge, 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 huge non-negotiable in the life of the Christian. So here we go. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God, being rich in mercy, important to, to, to hear that because there's a distinction between mercy and grace in this passage. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is the what? The gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, we're going to go through this again, but I want you to hear it first. Okay? But God, being rich in what? Mercy. What is mercy? What is it? Not rhetorical. Throw it out there. What is mercy? Say that again. Unmerited favor. favor. That should have been the last one. (laughs) Because that's what I was going to (laughs) say. What else? Forgiveness. Okay. Yeah. What? Compassion. Yeah. What else could it be? Not getting what you deserve. That's a common question or a common saying, right? Not getting what you deserve. Really, when you look at mercy, it's taking away something that you probably did earn that's probably not life-giving. So when God shows mercy, in a sense, he's taking something from you in order to produce life and space for life to happen. Okay? So God being rich in that, in that quality, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Continuing on. Where are we here? It's what happens when I do PowerPoint. So stay with me here. By grace, I'm just going to read off here. By grace, you have been saved. You've been what? Saved. 
by what? Grace. Okay? And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Anytime scripture repeats something, we pay attention. Okay? For by what? Grace. You have been saved through faith. We hear that again. And this is not your own doing. It is the what of God? The gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Okay, I wanted to go that a few times so it sticks in your mind. Grace is important in this. And it is a gift. Now, the Webster Dictionary would define grace as unmerited divine assistance given humans for their rege- regeneration or sanctification by God, right? That's what I was like. What? It says unmerited divine assistance. Scrap that. Okay? When I look in scripture and I look at grace, when you look at someone giving you grace, showing you grace, it is a gift. Clearly we see that grace is a gift. And gifts come to us whether we've earned them or not. How many have a hard time receiving? Okay? Hi. Okay. Yeah. All right, there you go. There you go, Spencer. I am one of those people. How many for you, the tradition of receiving gifts at Christmas is a nightmare for you? Anybody? Right? You're front and center. Sometimes we can get a little more open to receiving when it's just your family and you trust them and this and that. But when someone you don't know gives you something, it's a little uncomfortable, right? You go, what did I do to deserve this? But yet we're so quick to just receive the grace of God of salvation and forgiveness. Partially, we're overwhelmed by it. Sometimes we don't fully get it. Because it's easy. Why is it easy to receive the death and resurrection of Christ but you can't receive a cup of coffee someone wants to buy you. Why is that? I don't know. It's weird, right? I, I just, I think we don't fully get it. We, full, we don't fully understand. Grace is a gift. So, that being said, a gift always provides something. It may not be functional. When growing up, I would get things... Uh, for Christmas, uh, we do stockings. Stockings is a big thing. Anybody do stockings? Stockings is like a big deal in your house? Okay. And I remember my mom would buy us stuff that I did not even understand why, one, the object exists, and two, why it would be given to me. But it provided a, a sense of fun, a sense of just because, right? It always provided... A gift always provides something, whether it be um, a gift that you need, a gift that you want. It could be fun. It could be serious. It could be not. But what we know about grace is that grace in its essence is God's provision. We may not look at it that way, but it is. Because he gives us something that we cannot earn. And that gift provides something. So if we have salvation by grace through faith, what is that gift? It's salvation. And salvation connects us with Jesus forever. That means we have access to who he is forever. 
Would you say that grace provides something? Yeah. So when we talk about grace and we talk about that phrase, we'll extend some grace, well, you're gifting someone with something that is life-giving when we talk about extend some grace. And that can be abused. We can't enter grace or those situations and take grace for what it is, for what we see here, the gift of God, the gift of life from God, and then shrink it down to help us avoid conflict or making hard decisions or engaging a conversation or something in our own heart we might need to. It drives me bonkers when someone is in a tough situation. I say to them, and this happens all the time, so why why haven't you talked to them? Well, I want to extend them some grace. Oh, phooey. It's not about extending grace because grace is life-changing. Sometimes grace is having the hard word. Grace isn't absent of discipline. It's not a condoning word. It's not something that says, well, you just get a free pass and a free pass and a free pass and a free pass. No, it's not about that. God brings discipline in our lives, does he not? We feel it all the time. And it's frustrating. But it is in the avenue, it is in the vein of grace. So as Christians, we have to better understand our, our, our Lord and Savior and what he did so that we can better understand grace so that we can use it appropriately. Grace is never absent of wisdom and discernment. It's not. Because you have to know what grace is in the moment and what it looks like fleshed out in every situation of your life. When you're encountering relationships, what grace might seem to you because of the context around you is not the grace of God, necessarily. Me avoiding a hard conversation because I want to avoid that person, the awkwardness of receiving hard information, is not grace. I may think it's grace, but it's not the grace of God. The grace of God would say, I need to have a hard conversation with you so I can usher you into more life. Grace ushers us into life. It doesn't put it on pause. It doesn't hold it off at bay. It ushers you into it. Am I wrong? God's grace ushers us to him. Now, gets to my main point that I had not planned for this week. This morning was weird. You know, the Lord just, when you say, now, and just remember this, when you say, Lord, do what you want with me, he's going to do what he wants with you, okay? Just letting you all know that. I think it's good to tell him that, but just be prepared. Now, this story I want to tell you is hard for me to say because, um, it's something that God did in me and through me, but it was completely him. So for me to say anything about myself in this, in this is hard for me. But I want to invite you in to a blessing. It was a blessing. I did my brother-in-law's wedding this last weekend, which is why I was not here. And I was woken up at 3 in the morning on the day of his wedding. I had nothing. Okay? I prayed for months. What am I going to say? Because weddings are not... I don't like going through a formula. Don't like that. I, I want to... I want it to be personal because marriage is a serious covenant. It's a reflection of relationship between us and God. So I'm, I, I've got nothing the day before. I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm at the rehearsal. I'll see them. I'll see the people and the Lord will download something. Nothing. I got zilch. So now, I, you know, I can move on the fly. 
I don't have a problem with that. I can be put on the spot and say something and, you know, get out of trouble, <laughs> that kind of thing. But I was starting to feel a little nervous. So three in the morning, he wakes me up. Lord wakes me up. And he downloads verbatim. This only happened to me two or three times what he wants me to say, and I cannot get the words wrong. I can't take liberties. I've got to say this to them. So now the pressure's on because now I believe that it's, it's God that's speaking to me so that he has all authority, and now he's telling you, he's telling me, he's like, this is what I want you to say. No pressure, right? None. So we're in this small Lutheran church, and uh, I'm standing up there, and it's time to go. It's my turn. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Now, this is all about God's grace. So I look out at this congregation of people that were here for this wedding. A lot of the people went to this church, and the pastor was retiring. And he'd been there for 25-plus years. And so I, I'm sitting there, and we, uh, my, my brother-in-law, um, Derek, and his wife, Kelsey, in a few minutes would be his wife, Kelsey, I have him come up, and the Lord told me to just talk to them, nobody else. So I would basically, I'd be talking to Mark here and ignore all of you, <laughs> okay? That's a little challenging when you're filling the space, right? So I, I'm sitting there, and this is, this is kind of what I said. I looked at them, and I just started bawling. Well, that's not a good start. <laughs> it's, to me, that's not a good start when you're already, you know, tearing up. And then, you know, the, the high school Brendan is a little insecure because all of, all of Derek's buddies are these jocks and everything. It felt like high school with the pick on me face, you know, and now I'm crying in front of all these guys, you know, so I was just getting really nervous. But the Lord's grace was upon me and he simply said this. He said, tell them how much I love them. So I said, hey, I got to tell you first that God loves you so much. And I just started weeping. And I said, he's good. You're not going to understand everything he does. You're going to have questions your entire life, but know that he's good. So that was the first thing the Lord told me to say. But I'm already crying, so I'm like, this is going to be bad. And the second thing, and this is what I want you to hear, because this is essentially, to me, the reason for grace, the reason for love, the reason for God coming into the world through Jesus Christ, is that I told him, I said, marriage, I'm not going to give you a marriage advice. I'm not going to do that, because there's 300 people that are going to give you marriage advice, probably on video. In a few minutes... So I want to say this, marriage, relationship with Jesus is about being fully known and fully knowing someone else. The grace of God is implemented in our lives to make himself known. Because you can tell a lot about the giver by the gifts that he gives. And if he's giving the gift of grace, he's good. It makes himself known, grace the grace of God that Paul talks about makes himself known. Paul does not condone stuff, does he? He speaks right to it, but he speaks with grace. So we can get rid of the cultural understanding of a grace is a condoning word and say it's not a condoning word, it's a life-giving word. And it can be hard reality at times, but it reveals the character of God. 
He wants to make himself known, so he comes in power, he comes in grace and mercy and reveals himself to be known. After the wedding, people came up and were like, we haven't heard that before. What is that? Well, it's the simplest of things, right? Jesus just wants to make himself known to us. And he has, but he wants us to pay attention. So when we look at grace, we can't look at it through the eyes of our own context, but through the eyes of God, the gift giver, that says, here it is. I'm going to move in grace, and I'm going to reveal myself through it. You don't deserve it. It's not about deserve, so stop asking the question, do I deserve it? Because obviously it's not. It's a gift. So you got to get used to receiving. I hate receiving. Tough. If you want life, I'm giving it to you. Here it is. Why don't you get off your lazy keister and pick it up? That's what he tells me. So it's up to us if we want to live in and out of that grace. And so when we are engaging people, now we have an understanding of what grace is. Grace is to make God known. So I cannot sit with someone who is you know, done all this stuff and just go, well, I'm going to extend you more grace. That's not making God known. That's making him wimpy. Remember, our God is one of grace and mercy, but he's one of power and a loving father that brings a sense of discipline, and that doesn't mean punishment. It means bringing you a place of of routine in the Holy Spirit where you learn to strengthen the gifts that God has given you. Learn to move with the Holy Spirit so you can go where he goes. And sometimes it's hard training. That's the discipline. But it makes God's heart known when we move in that grace instead of the condoning grace. So I cringe when people say, just extend some grace. You want to see some grace? I'll show you some grace. (laughs) Right? That's what you want to (laughs) say. But in that moment, you have to discern in partnership with the Holy Spirit what that is and how that looks fleshed out. You can't avoid it. You can't run from it. We can't afford to do that. The world around us is falling apart, but yet God has it all in his hands. And he's chosen us, his church, to be the light of the world through Jesus Christ to the world. So we have to know, we have to be intimately involved with the grace of God. We have to, that's why Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you because I'm the vine and you are the branches and you will bear much what? And apart from me, you can do Nothing. So let's stop defining him by our own merit and by our own context and let him define himself, which he does. He says, I am that I am, and then our heads blow up because we don't even know what that means. So we cannot reduce grace to a condoning word or to a, to a device to get out of tough situations, but we got to step into it. We got to step into the presence of God And we have to ask those questions every time, Lord, what do you want to say to me in this about your grace? How do you want me to respond? Those two questions are very important because they they give you a direct connection and a direct um, inlet, in a sense, to what God wants to pour in and out of you. So, is grace a wimpy word? No. Is it a wimpy reality? No. No. It is a life-giving reality. 
giving the key word, it is a gift. And so today, I want to tell you, this is, wherever you are, wherever you are, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or not at all, the gift of God's love and grace is right in front of you. It's right there. And the question is, I don't know how to receive it. Well, the first, the first way you can start that is say, God, I'm ready to receive it. I'm ready to. I don't always know how you, you receive every single thing that he gives you because it's so overwhelming, but he makes a way. So trust that. But he has a, the gift of grace for you today. And I don't know what that means for you personally, but I know this, that he loves you and that he's good. And the gift of grace makes him known, the giver of that gift. Makes him known. So when you extend someone grace, remember that you are making Jesus known to that person. It's all about being known. All about it. That's why relationships are hard. That's why trust is hard, because it means you have to allow yourself to be known. If you want intimacy, tenderness, joy, all of those things, we have to make ourselves known. That's why relationships are hard. But God gives us his grace so that we can thrive in those relationships and learn about the gift giver. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all of who you are. We thank you that you give us this gift and you encourage us to receive it. As hard as it can be to receive it, you encourage us to receive it so that life can pour in us, through us, out of us, that people would understand the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. We thank you that you use us to communicate your heart to the world around us. And as you do that, would you, would you help us abide in you, stay with you so that we can learn more fully how to exercise that grace, how to live in that grace and not abuse it, not make it a punchline, not make it a Christian cliche, but to make it a life-changing reality in someone's life because of how you've changed our lives through your grace. And I know for me, Lord, it's been hard to receive your grace because I feel so undeserving. Well, I am, but you choose to give grace to us anyways. So help us in the name of Jesus if we haven't received your grace to begin doing so in this moment right now. We're deserving and worthy because you say that we are, because you love us. So we thank you.
Presence is 